go. Bienvenue and welcome to the Café Le Soleil. With, uh, we have some wine and some coffee ready. And we can sit down and get ready to talk about the man in the black suit. Hey, Leslie, how are you and how is your Florida go trip going? Leslie? Leslie, can you hear me? Boom, boop, boo, doo, 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 doo. Leslie. Now we have special music just for Betty. The theme song is just for Betty. Betty wanted to know, and Leslie, I'm gonna try to get a hold of you because I don't, I can't hear you. And uh, I think we're all, everybody's doing good. And uh, I can get, I see Betty, and I see Liz, and I see. Terrier, and you can't hear me. Okay. Okay. Got that. And that one's okay. Quiet night, the quiet storm. Quiet chords in my They can hear me. Leslie, they can hear you. So we're, we're having a little bit of a uh, difficulty here. Oh, I just got noticed that there was a New Jersey teacher that was hit with uh, thunder snow. 
<laughs> anyway, so we've been having some wonderful weather here on the east coast of the United States. We've had two wonderful storms come uh, through. And uh, while we wait for Leslie to uh, see where we're going along with that. And then, um, so it's, it's been uh, wonderful. We had snow today, which is always a joy. Always a joy. And uh, so it's, it's, can everybody hear me now? And can everybody hear me now? I can hear you now. Yes, we're cooking with, <laughs> we're cooking with gas. Yes. <laughs> it was almost like a switch came on because yeah, yeah. I couldn't hear anything. No, I, I could, could just see the chat room going. Yes, yeah. I can hear you, but I <laughs> I love it. So. Hello. Lorraine's been drinking to cope. Lorraine, pass pass a drink down yeah, my way, sister. Yeah, this way, please. <laughs> Although, funny, this is a funny little cute thing. Um, excuse me, 530. Um, we, uh, uh, what was it? Oh, we had a, I put a tweet out today, um, about being at the cafe in French and in English and what have you. And, um, I came, I had to get some car repair work done and I came home and, and I sat down, I'm going through my, my Twitter thing and SR commented that, a liquor store had liked the tweet. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> so uh, we've got liquor stores following us too. All right. <laughs> anyway, so what I was saying before before everybody couldn't hear me is that we played the theme to Peter Gunn, especially for Betty. So Leslie, if you want to tell her why. Yes, well, as you may remember, last week on our podcast, uh, Betty posed the question as to um, wondering what song would play in the background when Pierre Breckman walks into the hotel. And, of course, I had to ask SR, and we did, and he, he sent this link, the theme from Peter Gunn. Yes. So, Betty, thanks for asking... And if the question. Can, if you can imagine a man in a bespoke black suit walking across the lobby of a fancy hotel to the Peter Gunn theme, it would work well. <laughs> it it would. Well. Actually, I was listening to it and reading it, and it like timed perfectly. If you want to, if you want to try try that, it was really funny. I as soon as I pressed it and the music started, I started reading the paragraph, and I could envision everything. And he, it was cool. So, well done, SR. Mm -hmm. Well done. And Betty, thanks for asking that question. Yes. It was a great question. So, we have some announcements. And uh, they are this. I'm, uh, by the way, I'm Pam. And the Gabriel podcast will be on 5 p.m. Sunday evening. And it will be the third anniversary of the Gabriel series. So I want to wish you ladies congratulations. And uh, I'm so glad you were the first. <laughs> you are our first. And it's, it's made an exciting time. And it's set a high bar for us <laughs> to follow. Um, the the Alondras are, are trying, are campaigning to get the Spanish translation 
of SR's books for the Balance of the Florentine series and also um, for the Man in the Black Suit. I know that we have a lot of Spanish listeners and I apologize, I don't speak Spanish. Um, we have a lot of Spanish listeners and, and we're very ha grateful that you do listen. Um, you're, uh, we know that you're looking to get it in Spanish, the podcast. So I, I know SR is going to be working on the Spanish translation of the book too. So it will, it will come. It will come. Um, yes, paciencia y fe, paciencia y fe, so patience and faith. My fe, I speak un poquito español, uh, so you would not want me <laughs> delivering the entire podcast in Spanish, but I will try and throw in some Spanish when I can, and hopefully we can have some guests um, who join us who uh, can add to, add to the mix. Conversation, yeah, that would be, that would be great. Um, also, uh, Trilogia de Gabriel is working on the El Excesis de Gabriel, and they're a 3 p.m. Mexico time. Uh, we're discussing that. Uh, Noise Influencia uh, are doing a big promotion tomorrow uh, to tr getting the Roman and the Man in the Black Suit in Portuguese. So if you could follow along with them and do, do the hashtag the Roman. That would be great. Uh, Sylvain Reynard is working on his fourth book of the Gabriel series, and I know very exciting. Yeah, he was spending a lot of time this week with Professor Picton and uh, Julia and the uh, Gabriel and uh, I believe Rachel and a few others. And uh, you know, I I love Professor Picton and her Codswallop. I love that line. I love that line. And it was so funny because the other night I was, uh, I'd woken up in the middle of the night and I just put the TV on to go back to sleep. And all of a sudden I hear cods wallop. And I was like, oh, out of my head to see where it was, who was saying it. And I think it was like, um, what's your name? Uh, Helen Mirren on something. So I was like, oh, that's perfect. That that's so great. Professor Picton. Helen Marin would be great. I would love to see. Yes. Awesome. She's fantastic anyway. A great actress. And naughty woman, <laughs> but yes, a great actress. Yes, Betty. <laughs> she is a naughty woman. <laughs> Anyone who could rock a bikini in their 60s, I and, have great admiration 70, for. She's 72. Yeah. Well, I only saw the picture and she was in her 60s at the time, but she probably is in her 70s by this point. Oh, no, anyway, she seems like she lives life to the fullest, and I admire that. She does, and she lived with, uh, what's his name? Liam Neeson for a while. Who really? For a while, yes. Yes. See, you learn so much on this uh, podcast. <laughs> Font of useless information, I am. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good, Pam. Yep. So also we want to make sure that everybody goes to the website and signs up for SR's um, newsletter because lots of good news is going to be coming and I'm, I'm, I'm thinking it's in, in a couple of weeks. He keeps saying. I know. I, you know, he said it was like a, a, a couple of weeks and maybe a little more. So hopefully uh, the news will be coming soon. There's also some, if you go into his blog site, there's some great outtakes of William and uh, Raven and Gabriel and Julia and also um, Nick, Nicasia 
Yes. Yes. And let's let's dig right into chapter two. As you can remember, uh, we ended chapter one where Acacia was facing the manager's office and bracing herself for getting in trouble. She didn't know how much trouble, but she knew she definitely was in trouble. So as we enter and begin chapter two, she watches Jacques Roy, the hotel manager, approach her desk in a very foreboding manner. <laughs> I laughed at this line, though. She, he was wearing a very expensive blue suit and a paisley tie that contrasted with the violet of his shirt. Acacia thought he resembled a blueberry. Now, how many people remember the Willy Wonka, the old Willy Wonka movie, um, when she turns into a blueberry and kind of rolls off of the thing? That's the image. When when I saw that line, that's what it reminded me of. It reminded me of that that scene in Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, where she actually wanted the blueberry gum. She had to have the blueberry gum, and in fact, she she got more than she wished for. And I think that was the big point of that story. <clears throat> I know. I digress. So <laughs> Betty says yes. She remembers. She remembers. Um, so we're, and Karen does as well. So she's waiting to get reprimanded by Monsieur Roy. And he was speaking really directly to her, asking what happened. Uh, she stood up and just was very, very straightforward, said he wanted to speak with Marcel. She said he was unavailable. And then, essentially, she called, uh, she was called out, and the manager was sent for her. And Monsieur, Monsieur Roy was very um, agitated. And he said, why didn't you tell him he was in the hospital? And she said, uh, no, we're not, you know, we're not supposed to ask, uncomfortable, answer uncomfortable questions. And, you know, Pam and I both have talked about that. We, Pam and I both had worked in hotels, and they're, you're supposed to be very discreet about guests as well as staff members. So, um, you know, Monsieur Roy, though, didn't really want her to follow the rules in this case. He said, there's nothing more uncomfortable than upsetting a highly valued guest. Mm -hmm. You could have told him Marcel had an accident. And so Acacia, more or less, was just taking, uh, taking his rudeness and said, yes, Monsieur. And he was straightening his red rose that he wore on his lapel and said he's going to speak to Monsieur Breckman. And he insisted that she apologize and convince him that he can provide the same level of service. And he instructed her to be sure to ignore his scar. Mm -hmm. And uh, obviously, <laughs> she had already made that mistake. And she said too late, um, she thought to herself. Now, one of the things uh, when we're asking SR, and I, I see in the chat room that uh, Tira actually thought that as well, I think meaning the blueberry comment, the blueberry, and, yes. and Betty was agreeing with Acacia on how she would approach and be very discreet. Um, and one of the questions I had for, the, uh, for SR was, why exactly was Monsieur Roy wearing a red rose lapel on his lapel? And SR said that he wore it because it signals his position, I think, mm -hmm. and also a bit of pretension. 
And that makes perfect sense because Monsieur Roy seems very, very pretentious. Yes, like I could just and, imagine him holding the lapel and putting the rose up to his nose every now and then. Yes, mm. and as Maite said, poor Acacia, I agree, Maite. I, I felt really, really sorry for her. Um, pobrecita, she was really um, going through it. So he continued on, and he's, he had, ap- reprimanded her, saying this is the second time You've conflicted with a value guest, and if you don't get um, your act together, essentially, you might not be at the hotel this long. So he turned and walked back to his office, and Acacia tried very hard not to unleash her favorite Brazilian profanity. So, of course, and as Betty said, and thank you, they both thought that uh, Cincinnati a Cincinnati cat as she goes by. Hi, cat. Um, and Betty also said having a bad day, and they liked the question about the rose. Well, the other question, um, um, before I actually I see Betty had the question, I still wonder what was the first time Acacia had a problem with a guest. Um, and I'm thinking it was with the French woman, perhaps. Is that true, Pam? Or am no, I thinking no, that, of a that wrong comes period? A later. Yeah. yeah. It's not really addressed. It um, isn't really addressed. That's a so good question to ask. I will we write might that have to down ask to ask SR. SR. But the question the question that I did ask SR though is what was Acacia's favorite Brazilian profanity? <laughs> because she was mumbling uh, profanities when he was walking away. And he said, probably Filho de puta, which is son of a bitch. Samia, if you're out there listening to this rebroadcast, I hope I did you some justice. I'm not sure if I did. Uh, but it is a, it's similar to what it would be in Spanish. Um, and that probably was the uh, profanity she was using. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, I could see her hiding her face on that one, and going to she's like, under her breath. Well, you know, he did not. You know, she's trying to do the right thing. She was following the rules, mm-hmm. and then she got in trouble for following the rules. And you know, it's like rules are changing. Uh, it's just not fair to her. No, and and I, you know, yeah, thinking about it, I, when I. I written a little note to myself in here and it was like you know he, he he's coming down on her and i think it's just because of the fact that she's she's not french to be honest with you she was right. not more self, so that's that's true mm-hmm. you're right about that you know so after visiting the penthouse monsieur roy returned to the desk and took acacia back upstairs you know, and he was really being really rude to her. So they walked up the suite. Rick answers the door and closes it and takes her back in. Uh, Monsieur reminded her about not looking at the scar. And uh, she wanted to, uh, you know, wanted to go in and had to apologize. So when she walked into the room, though, they kind of her overheard um, 
something about a discussion of lost our intermediary, uh, replace him or find another buyer. And then the bodyguard closed the door because he didn't want Monsieur Roy to hear that discussion. Yeah, I so, thought that was kind of odd, the way, he, the way he did that. I thought so, too. I, you know, it's like they were going to come in and then it was getting sensitive, so they just shut the door in Mr. Roy, Monsieur Roy's face. Mm-hmm. And then he waited a few minutes and knocked on the door and the body dart reopened and Monsieur Breckman stood next to him and was irritated and said yes and you know here it is it's almost like he's he's treating her like a five-year-old little girl Mm -hmm. that she has to go and apologize um and he's scolding her for apologizing so monsieur roy has her standing there and acacia you know you know to her credit just stood up and said i'm apologize for not disclosing his situation right and then Monsieur Breckman kind of was like, well, you know, his hospitalization is not a secret. And she tries to make it better by saying, I didn't want to alarm you. Uh-huh. <laughs> and she couldn't make it better because he was like, we're, we're that might be critical. Security. Yeah, it could be about, uh, you know, the rest of the guests, you know, not knowing about this. Uh-huh. So she just was very professional and apologized. And then you know, Breckman turns his attention to... And I, I, got, I really got <laughs> into this, the fact that he turned turned it yes. on to... He, on to, uh, Jacques Roy, Jacques, the manager. Yeah. And he's like, what about you? Why wasn't my detail advised that Marcel was assaulted? And he should have been notified. And let's be honest, if he's working with a security detail, he should have been, he should have been notified. If someone's traveling with security, um, you know that they're having protection for a reason. So uh, I love the fact, though, that he he just went after the manager. Yeah, And (laughs) I I love the fact that the manager was kind of taken off guard and didn't want to alarm you. and, (laughs) And he went right at it. I love this. Of course not. That would be bad for business. I might have decided to stay at the Ritz instead. (laughs) And then he called him out for having uh, Acacia, making Acacia apologize, Mm -hmm. um, which I like too. And, you know, and to her credit, she was still being professional and saying, I, you know, I'm still here and I'm still happy to help you. (laughs) So we don't see Jen, even because she's working, so we don't know that she's here. <laughs> right. She's going to be stealthy. Mm-hmm. Nothing. It's the, it's the one earpiece uh, sneak. <laughs> <laughs> I used to do that when I was trying to listen to a good part of a book and my boss wasn't in the office and I'm trying to, you know, do stuff on the computer and listen at the same time. So Yes. <laughs> Yes. And, and Betty was saying that God bless Acacia. She really did try to make things better, but her boss is an ass. That's true. Uh, Absolutely. (laughs) And, and uh, Karen said, yes, I'm sure she had more than one incident like that lady, one of the French concierge and Nicholas stepped in and dressed that woman down. Um, And Betty said, Pierre's winning points in this chapter. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
So, and again, Acacia shows the professional she is. She steps in and says, Monsieur, now that you know about the situation, I hope you'll let me assist you. And he said, he said what I thought, you have courage. Mm -hmm. And he turned to the manager and said, more so than you. I mean, he really put Monsieur Roy in his place. Yes, he did. And... Um, more or less just then kind of disregarded the manager. She, he asked, he said, you have my attention, mademoiselle. And she repeated her credentials. Um, he took an interest when she mentioned the Sorbonne. And that's where he thought she may actually be able to serve me and help me in some way. And with that recognition, the manager kind of weaseled his way, uh, running out of the room. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you know, welcome back to the Hotel Vitoire. Yes, exactly. So he takes off. So now Acacia's there and, and, uh, you know, uh, Monsieur Monsieur Breckman decides that he's going to bring her into the living room and uh, she asked how she could assist him and uh, he turns to Rick and he says I doubt Mademoiselle is a threat (laughs) (laughs) I know I like that (laughs) you know and and basically he's speaking in an Oxbridge accent (laughs) you know we wanted to know what an Oxbridge accent sounded like so I went into um, YouTube and I did a search on Oxbridge accents and it's a very posh English accent so mm-hmm. from the Oxford area actually so. so anyway so Rick opens the door and has Acacia enter and she's, she's her eyes are following him and she's not really he's unhurried and you know he's, he's kind of just looking at what's going on and uh, Rick goes off into another room so they uh She's in the living room, and uh, he, uh, Mr. Breckman, is helping himself to a nice uh, uh, Grey Goose and, and tonic. Good cocktail, by the way. And uh, she's in the penthouse, and, and it's actually furnished beautifully in, in a lot of uh, blue and, and gold brocades and, and ivory silk on the windows. And, and, and the thing, you know, there's a nice terrace off the living room area. It sounded beautiful. I mean, it really sounds like a gorgeous suite. We'll post the links, but if you want to take a look at what it might look like, um, it would be the uh, Hotel Jours Sank, and and that's actually a uh, Ritz-Carlton property property now. But if, you know, uh, SR uh, sent the link over to us just to look at, and it's just gorgeous rooms and I could live in the bathroom for the rest of my life. It was just so beautiful. <laughs> as well as everything else. Um, so again, he's having this nice cocktail. And and uh, he then offers her a cocktail, which she, of course, turns down because she's working. And uh, she's, he says, I've, I've decided to increase the her, his security detail. And when they arrived, he wanted them escorted up to the room, which was fine. And then she said, uh, should I contact hotel security to liaise with your security? And and he's like, absolutely not. 
<laughs> and um, he was adamant about it. Yes, yes, he was. And uh, he said, "Forgive me, but I just don't trust the management." And he says he was curious as to when she found out about the assault on Marcel. She told her that it was the night before, and when um, Monsieur Roy contacted her to come in to work the next day, uh, she he was she asked uh, she was asked if they knew of any um, any reason why any like enemies or somebody would, who didn't like Marcel would would have done anything, and she said that he wasn't she wasn't uh, familiar with his personal life, and some of the guests could be challenging. She's not looking at him on that one, um, but they, but more that he was respected and that the police believed it to be a mugging. And then uh, he, Mr. Brickman uh, decides to change the subject a little bit and asks uh, where she's gone to school again, and she told him and what she asked what she'd studied, and she said she'd gone to the Sorbonne and she studied art art history and uh, he asked her what form of, of uh, art history and she said impressionism and uh, in the meantime she's telling uh, reminding him that he has an 8 o'clock dinner appointment at Geese of Voice and that she'd uh, she'd also come to Paris as a student and uh, he, he, the, Mr. Breckman asked her if, if she liked the uh, Degas, the ballet class that hung on the wall opposite, and he, um, she said, well, the interior designer actually brought that in, <laughs> and I, I have a feeling that he wasn't too thrilled with the, the Degas print, but uh, he said, he kind of got an idea that Degas wasn't her favorite, and she said, no, that she'd preferred Monet. He told her that Monet was very, um, popular and uh, she, she said you know you could true but uh, Degas are the ones that have basically been stolen for, and from the Garden Museum and from the Musée <laughs> d'Orsay the uh, and I'm not going to pronounce this properly I apologize Les Chretistes and uh, well it was on in Lo on Lone in Marseille that one had been found but they and they still have not found any of the Gardner uh, artwork. Even today, they haven't. For in real life, they haven't. Right. And, and then he asked her about Matisse, and she said, "Well, you know, Matisse is post-impressionist. Impressionist, <laughs> really." <laughs> and she then he proceeds to tell her that he's kidding. Yes, although Acacia, I don't think found it very funny. <laughs> <laughs> He was uh, he was kind of perplexed by that and went on to asking if uh, she'd like a drink. And I, I kind of laughed because earlier on the chat room, Betty said any other writer and Pierre would have been making an improper uh, <laughs> proposition. Well, you know, and, you'd be surprised <laughs> how much that happens in hotels. Right, right. You know? Absolutely. But it's um, it's interesting because they're talking about the Impressionists. And one of the questions that we posed to SR was, why did he select the Gardner and Musée d'Orsay thefts to highlight? And he wanted to highlight them uh, because they were two of the major art heists of the 20th century. 
Um, so he thought it would be a good point of reference for readers, um, which I thought was important. And, you know, after, you know, the drink was after, offered and uh, the discussion continued and, uh, you know, Acacia being the professional said, thank you, but I'm on duty. And he said, um, I forgot, of course. Um, and then they're asking about protocols for staff and security, um, whether or not there's security to help employees. And uh, they had, um, she essentially said no. Um, they really didn't have any protocols for escorts. And she got a little nervous when he was asking about it, asking if they would be in danger why would someone attack a concierge? And she really was having trouble understanding why something like that would have happened. Um, he went on to ask her about the, if she took the metro. And she said, not usually. Um, and she drives a motorcycle, which, of course, is not unusual in an SR book to have someone riding a motorcycle. And he, he continued... Um, he kind of seemed surprised by that and uh, he wanted to make sure she wore a helmet because Paris drivers are mad and Pam we were talking about this prior to the podcast <laughs> and you, you said you firmly agreed with that I assessment I absolutely agree with that <laughs> and I, I can remember um, we were going uh, I was going to Versailles on a, on a side trip that I, I booked for myself and uh, the the driver or the tour guide that was in the bus, it was a big bus and there was like, I don't know how many people in there. And they had two tour guides. And one of them got on the loudspeaker and she said, you know, when you're driving around here, if you're Parisian, they tell you you have to have a separate insurance policy for to drive around the Arc de Triomphe because the, the, they come in at all, like, all kinds of directions i think i you know i think at the arc there's a uh it's like one of those star type uh uh entrances all over the place i think there's like maybe six five or six spokes that go that would if you went straight on to them it would go into the arc de triomphe and then you go around in a circle so and i mean seriously you get these people that they come in and like you've got people that are going one way and you got people going another way and they're right beside each other or they're they're perpendicular to each other it was crazy exactly i mean it that it sounds like traffic traffic in athens actually um i had the similar experience in uh, athens greece the driving was just it was madness it was you know it was like stop signs red lights were all optional it was it was it was it was quite it was quite an adventure and looking at the chat room um katrina was saying she envied the intellect of most of sr's characters that she felt they made her look absolutely ignorant. <laughs> I d- highly doubt that, Katrina, I doubt but that. I do think he writes them to be very, very thoughtful um, and very uh, knowledgeable. Um, mm-hmm. Betty also said you're doing a great job with the pronunciations. Um, and she thought that Acacia must read a lot and do much research. And of course, my favorite, this made me laugh, was that uh, Betty, instead of being like Acacia riding a motorcycle, she said she rides a tricycle. Just kidding. 
some there are some very nice adult tricycles I've seen. So. <laughs> True story. My my grandmother's sister, or my great aunt May, uh, lived in Florida when she retired, and she was riding one of those big tricycles and. I fell off of it somehow and broke her arm. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, how you can do that, I don't know. But, hey, you know, it happens. <laughs> it's possible. It is possible. So we also asked SR what kind of motorcycle she drove. And it is a Moto Guzzi. Because one of the things I wanted to, I, I wanted to know was, was it like the Triumph like William drove? drove around or was it something else and, and he said it was the Moto Guzzi and it is a roadster uh, it's not as big as the Triumph Roadster and it is an Italian made motorcycle and one of the things I noticed about the motorcycles in in France and Italy as well is that they you, there are a lot of them and everybody's riding, driving around on them but on the French streets they can they have a whole spot where you can park them and it's marked motorcycles for the motorcycles only and it's really cool that was really cool and uh, they you know, for people that have um, you know they've got these big leather things that go around their legs oh so yeah that, and you're driving around you know you're not gonna get cold and uh, like almost like gloves on the on the uh, gear shifts and they on the handlebars and stuff so that your hands don't get cold and I uh, just they really do get into them. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And one, one, uh, one other question that actually I, I meant to delve into a little bit earlier, and then Pam, you can continue with the discussion sure. of uh, what their Acacia and Breckman's uh, discussion about uh, the motorcycles and her commute home. Mm -hmm. uh, we did ask SR why he specifically selected. Um, the Impressionists as Acacia's favorite period of art. Mm -hmm. And he had said that the Impressionists are interesting and beautiful, and he felt it made sense for her to be enamored of French art. And, uh, you know, thinking about that, it, it does make perfect sense. Mm -hmm. I mean, she's someone from Brazil. She studied art at the Sorbonne. She wanted to be in, uh, in France and... It, it it makes sense that her character would be someone who has that love of impressionist art. That's true. That is very true. So yeah, a, um, you know, and and they've got the museums, and obviously you have the Louvre, the Musée d'Orsay. Unfortunately, when I was there, I couldn't get in because they were, it was uh, Paris Fashion Week for the, I guess in the fall they do the spring fashions. Mm -hmm. that are coming up and they had a, that all closed up and it was uh, right around there um, they had these huge white tents that went in one one section and I think it was along the Place de la Concorde where they were using as staging areas for a lot of the models and they, I think they had uh, a show going on in there I mean it, it was next time I, if, I, if I ever get a chance to go back I'm going to make sure that Fashion Week isn't happening not that there's anything <laughs> wrong with Fashion Week, but you can't get into a lot of places because they haven't closed up mm -hmm. for that. So. Um, yeah, so we, you know, she's driving this motorcycle around, and and uh, she's she is making sure she wears a uh, helmet, and 
you know, the, as far as the Metro goes, um, before I went away, I had emailed SR if there was anything that I could photograph or get caught, you know, just to get an idea of where uh, Nick Acacia lived and, and, and what have you. So he, he gave me the name of the streets of where uh, Acacia's apartment is, and that's on the Rue de, de Saint-Jacques and the Rue de Soufflé. And so I, I got on my, my metro and switched it to uh, the Pont Neuf and got on to where I had to get off. And <laughs> I had to walk up this hill. <laughs> to get there. So she would, and I, and I remember, ta I remember sending him a, me a, me um, a, a tweet. I said, if you made me climb this hill every day to walk up from the metro to go to come home from work, I'd kill you because <laughs> it was just. It was, just it was, it, it's not that it was so much that it was st uh, steep, but it was a long hill. Right. So right. It was, you know. Well, and I, I, I was looking in the chat room. Betty had said that the helmet comment reminded her of the song Downtown. If I only had one helmet, I would give it to you. <laughs> and um, then as I read along as well, she commented that Acacia really loves Paris. And she encourages you to go to Paris during Fashion Week because you are the most beautiful model. Oh, well, thank you so much. <laughs> and, and Jennifer was commenting on the motorcycles that her father was a big-time motorcycle rider. And much to her mother's horror, she grew up riding around the Northwest with him. An amazing way to travel. There's nothing quite like it. And, Jennifer, I do have to agree with you. My I dad also that. is a motorcycle rider. I remember actually... One of the earliest bikes he had was a Triumph, I remember specifically, when I was little. And I did ride with him a, a few times. I didn't ride extensively with him, but it was always really exciting. Um, so yeah, there is I, nothing quite like it, I agree. I loved it, too. I had a good friend that I worked with that had a motorcycle. And, and uh, we would, he would, at lunchtime, we would go out at lunchtime and... You know where I was working. I unfortunately or fortunately, however you want to look at it, was had to wear a dress. It had to be somewhat mm -hmm. dressed up for work. And so he, in the spring and summer, he and the early fall, he'd bring the motorcycle to work. And come on, we're going to go out to lunch. And so now I'm getting on the back of this motorcycle in a dress, pulling it up around my legs so that he can sit on the front <laughs> of the <skirt. laughs> But I, I love it. it. It was so much fun and. and um, just the, I, I always tease the uh, wind in your hair and the bugs in your teeth. <laughs> we, I, I did wear a helmet, and uh, and because in New York you had to wear a helmet, Connecticut you don't. Right. You we had to. You had to in Pennsylvania for a long time, yeah, but they changed the law about ten years ago. And if I recall. Anybody, and why anybody would do it without a helmet? I know. I mean, there is that sense of freedom, right? But as a friend of mine who, uh, one of my husband's best friends is a CEO of a hospital, and he said, you know what we call people who ride bikes without helmets? He said, we call them organ donors. Yes. He said, it's not good. He said, you got to, if you, he said, there's nothing wrong with riding a motorcycle, but you got to wear the helmet. He said, it's just, if something goes wrong, it's really hard really uh damn it can cause a lot of damage, lot of damage. so 
Jennifer was, well, Betty was saying she's afraid if she rides a motorcycle, she might end up like Raven. Not a lovely view. <laughs> and Jennifer. Raven was beautiful, Betty. Yeah. <laughs> and Jennifer, uh, Betty's laughing. Jennifer was saying that she used to take bike trips to Canada in the summertime with her dad. Great yeah. memories. They I can only imagine. Nice. Must have been beautiful. He said, she said, my dad only made me wear a helmet if we left town. I can't believe I got away with that. <laughs> I know, right, Jennifer? There's so many things you can get away with, uh, or we got away with back in the day. Oh, yes. Uh, oh, yes. Chinese fire drills. <laughs> Pam, part of, pa part of your book, Pam. <laughs> part of that book you have to write. <laughs> that was high school. That was high school. We'd stop. We would stop because we would go to this, we had this one friend who had a pool in the, and in the summertime and we'd go to his house a lot. And um, we, you know, we'd have to, we'd be at an intersection in front of Villanova University and mm -hmm. the red light would come on. And so now he got about 10 kids <laughs> jumping out of a car, running around and getting back in. It was, <laughs> it was <bad>. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Betty clarified her comments saying she meant Raven uh, throwing up after riding the motorcycle with Willie. So I get that. Especially if you're going on windy roads going fast. I totally get that. So, so I guess we go back to back to the book, back yes? To the, back to the story. <laughs> <laughs> so then uh, Mr. Breckman asked if, he, if um, Acacia could be discreet. And she replied that she could. And uh, she said because as a concierge discretion is essential. Yes. And uh, he said she that Marcel had made certain arrangements that had to get uh, changed. And he says, can you re return this to Cartier? And he hands her a red box. And Cartier's boxes are beautiful. I've looked at them only. Mm. I've got one. And um, sort of like the blue box from with the white ribbon. From, from right from Tiffany's, yeah. yes. And uh, anyway, so she's so she's she takes and she's wondering if it's all it's a small box. She wonders if it's an engagement ring that uh, she's going to be taking back. And she's kind of felt, she, uh, uh, you know, some compassion for him because, you know, that the woman Silka was supposed to be there, and all of a sudden she's not there. And mm -hmm. it's, you know, I thought that made a lot of sense, and I also agreed when I was reading that. And she said perhaps the short temper was related to matters of the heart. And that made perfect sense to me because let's be honest, he was horrible to her. He was incredibly rude to her when they first yes. encountered each other. Yes. And Betty said she was af afraid an engagement ring was in it too. Yeah, we don't know what was in that box at this point. At this point, yeah. But um, yeah, I, you know, that made a little bit more sense as to why his character was acting the way he was. Mm -hmm. So she said, of course, she could end. She took the box from him, and then he asked, uh, she asked if there was anything else. And he said that there were other items, and he pointed towards the bedroom, and, and he says that need to be returned. And she she responded that you, she, should she get them right now, and he, he nodded, and off she goes. And there's a, a, a Chanel bag and a Louis Vuitton, and there was a lingerie designer, Modiste. Now, I'm going to mm -hmm. tell you something. I was look searching all over the place for this lingerie modiste in in Paris, and I I'm searching Google. And every time I put it into Google, I was coming up with 
uh, modiste uh, Edwardian underwear uh, done for Downton Abbey or La Perla or Agent Provocateur. So I was really, you know, I was like, you know, geez. So I asked us, I, I just made a comment, SR. I didn't ask him. I just made a comment about research and it must have been fun researching women's under, women's lingerie. <laughs> <laughs> So he pinned, he, 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 I got, of course, the winky smile. Of course, I sent him one too, but I got the winky smile back later on. And he, he actually posted a link to a French lingerie maker that does custom lingerie. And uh, I'll post the link. It's in French, but, you know, you get an idea of what, what kind of lingerie he, that Pierre was buying for. Mm -hmm. So, anyhow. He and his research. <laughs> He's prolific. He's a prolific researcher, that's for sure. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Looking at the chat room, I, I was saying hello to KS in Melbourne, Australia. Uh -huh. um, she said, at last I get to listen in, even though I'm driving. So we we're, <laughs> glad she, we're glad you could join us. And drive safe. And please, yes, safe travels. Yes. And Kez is still joining us as well. So we have a couple of our Aussie friends on today. Excellent. Um, Lori actually made the comment that she thought that it was exactly what she thought, that it was displaced anger um, in terms of how Pierre treated Acacia. And Lori was right on the money on that. Absolutely. Betty said, poor Pierre, he was really ambushed by Silke's betrayal. Yes. And, and in not just the betrayal itself, but the way, the manner in which she made she it did. so public, I, I think, wonder, was I wondered what awful. that relationship was i mean it just you know it just mm -hmm. seemed odd that all of a sudden she's off with some american movie actor or whatever it was and and uh humiliating this guy the way he did she yeah it was awful um as betty says no victoria's secret for pierre no <laughs> only the best only the best um, well that's why i was i was looking for the pearl and agent provocateur because I, I, you know, I'm not a big reality show fan, but I do remember um, there was the, the, the couple, the, the Jessica Simpson and whoever the guy was she met, was married, first married to. Um, oh, yes. From, Nick Lachey. Well, Nick Lachey from 98 Degrees. Mm -hmm. And I just remember this one scene and it has stuck in my head all these years. She's in, in a La Perla uh, shop and she calls him up and she said, She's sorry, but she just spent $700 on a pair of panties. I was like, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, Kez. Thanks for joining us. I know. It's great to have Kez on as well. Very exciting. So, yes, I, I mean, I, you know, so that that was me. You know, just sticks in my head. And if I, I, I remember mentioning something to my sister one time. And, and uh, as much as I love my sister, she's... If it costs more than Walmart, then she doesn't know anything about it. So. <laughs> well, everybody, you know, everybody, everybody has, has their preferences. That's right. Correct. Everybody has what they like and what they're comfortable That's with. Correct. So, or the Vanity uh, you know, Fair outlet is awesome. Whatever Leslie, works. For, yeah. This time Vanity last Fair. Year, this time last year, I made Leslie not let me spend money on there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh my gosh, it's too much fun. Yes. 
so and one of the things uh, looking in the chat room as well that Lorraine also felt really bad for Pierre in that instant instance with the uh, the way Silke was just so disregard you know just yeah. disregarded her. Oh my gosh! Shy of a picnic. Anyhow, <laughs> so. Akazi goes and she um, uh, gathers all the inf all the bags out of the bedroom and she she's getting ready to leave and he uh, she asked if there was anything else and he responded no. So as uh, she's leaving, she tells him to make sure she enjoys the artichoke soup with the black truffles from Geese and Roy. Yes. Yes. SR kindly sent a link to that, and I will tell you, the menu has no prices on it. <laughs> well, and we asked SR, we were curious, he, we asked him if he ever tried the artichoke soup at Guy Savoy's, and his enigmatic answer, as only SR can do it, is perhaps, dot, dot, dot. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, I have a feeling... Yeah, SR, sure, sure SR had had some of that soup. <laughs> Their menu's not, it's not a big menu. It really mm -hmm. And uh, I'll be very honest with you. I think if I went, I would probably be eating the bread and the brioche and whatever cocktails or <laughs> liquid refreshment would be there. Because it was... Um, yeah, it was, it, it did, you know, veal, sweetbreads, in other words, brains, <laughs> yeah, duck, I'm not big on duck, but I have my own, but that's another issue, and, um, you know, that kind of stuff, so. It's very I am, good. I am not a gourmand. <laughs> <laughs> Somalia, but I'd you, like to be. <laughs> you, but you enjoy, you enjoy good, you enjoy good food. I do. It's true. I do. It's yeah, true. I do. But I'm not that much of a gourmand. So I, <laughs> I doubt I would do very well at Geese of Voice. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully next time you're in Paris, um, you, you can know. swing by or at least have a cocktail. and uh, many, many cocktails. And uh, <laughs> Betty would eat a burger from McDonald's and uh, <laughs> you would enjoy it. I enjoy it every mm -hmm. uh, twice a week. On a week, every other weekend, I, I enjoy it. Mm -hmm. Way to New York and my way from New York. Because <laughs> we have to stop, Gammy. That's right. Gotta go for those, uh, the golden arches. She's <laughs> <laughs> very cute with that, but anyhow. So. I know. Well, we're now completed chapter two. She wishes him well at Guy Savoy's. Mm -hmm. He thanks her. And yeah. she says, you're welcome, and off she which goes. I thought was kind of a small victory. You know, I feel like after that really rough start, you know, at least she un she now felt that he was treating her with some respect mm -hmm. because he understood that she was someone who had a lot of knowledge and was very professional and cared about what she did. True. So that was good. And, and Métis loves a, a fancy um, bigger burger. Which is <laughs> and yes. Jen, the 
room service in Paris is perfection. I, I, uh, did, I didn't do room service. Lucky Jennifer Lockley yes. are having room service in Paris. Yes. That's great. I hope uh, to get there sometime. Uh, I really do. That sounds wonderful. So I guess as we're winding down, um, we talked a bit last week. Uh, we announced a brief segment that's going to kind of conclude our podcast um, called SR Affirmations. And as I mentioned last week, it came to me, this idea, as something that my husband and I did when we were teaching uh, kids Sunday school classes. Um, the idea is kind of an attitude of gratitude, um, having an idea of what makes you thankful. Um, and we're asking listeners to tweet what they are thankful for at any time of the week using the special hashtag SR affirmations and we had a couple come in this past week so we w wanted to share it with you to have a little bit of positivity um, as we're wrapping up the podcast so actually Pam do you want to read the one that Judith submitted and then I can read the one from sure. Argyle Empire sure absolutely uh, Judith uh, sent hers in and she said the worldwide kindness friendship and happy plus joyous uh, moments I find with all of you. Thank you, Judith. And Argyle Empire shared, I'm so grateful I can travel almost anywhere and find myself in the warm company of SR family. Hashtag Baltimore. So the reference was finding uh, some of the SR fans at a book event in Baltimore. Mm -hmm. And so, a nice picture in... Uh, SR called us the muses. The, uh, <laughs> called us the three graces. <laughs> <laughs> the three graces, yes. The we're three graces. we're not muses. We might be amusing, but we're not muses. <laughs> um, Betty had actually said she's sorry. She couldn't send her affirmation during the week. No worries, Betty. Yeah. There's always time for other affirmations. And I know you're also preparing for your big third anniversary podcast. So, and I agree, Lori sent that those are both wonderful, and I agree. I think those were both beautiful sentiments, so yes, thank yes. you for sharing those with us. Much agreed, much agreed on that. And uh, so that, that pretty much winds us up for today. Um, if you uh, have missed the live program, we are on iTunes. It, we got up there, <laughs> don't ask me how, but we got there. <laughs> <laughs> thankfully and um we're you know so if you miss us you can always go back and and uh, listen on itunes and all through also through mixler or soundcloud um and you could go back and read the chat room at any time if that's what you'd like to do as well so we'd like to thank you all for joining us today and uh jen i i won't say anything to your boss <laughs> and um <laughs> Or, or the otters, for that matter, because I know you were working with <laughs> otters a couple of weeks ago. And uh, we will catch you all again next week at the same time, 5 o'clock. And uh, we'll be working on Chapter 3. So. Yes. We look forward to having you join us again next week. And yes. safe travels and be good to each other. Yes. Have a good week, everybody. <laughs> Take care. Just one.
Too hard to go down. Goodbye.